This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. This past week, an unfortunate anniversary in the life of the church came and went with little fanfare. The 50th anniversary of the suppression of the minor orders of ordination. Before Vatican II, going back to antiquity, there had been several orders of ordination, not just the deacon and priest. This anniversary practically coincided with the release of various synodal reports from the United States that shows that the German heresy of attempting to secularize the church is very much alive and well in the hearts of the clergy and laity in the United States and elsewhere. These two stories are related and really do deserve to be talked about. Let's start with the synodal reports from the United States. The National Catholic Reporter triumphantly crows about how American Catholics overwhelmingly call for women's leadership in the church, including ordination, and that the church must be more welcoming to what we tend to call around here the Pastor Jimmy Martin Brigade. From the National Catholic Reporter article, quote, More than half a million U.S. Catholics have participated in synodal listening sessions over the past year as part of Pope Francis's two-year process of grassroots listening ahead of the 2023 Synod of Bishops in Rome, and responses indicate that many Americans want a more welcoming church that reaches out to the marginalized, especially to the James Martin crowd, and that allows women to serve in leadership positions, including ordained ministry. A review of more than a dozen synodal synthesis reports posted online by dioceses across the country also indicates that most Catholics are tired of the polarization in the church believe that clerics need to do a better job communicating and involving the laity in ecclesial governance and appreciate the opportunity to be heard, even if they harbor misgivings about what the synod on synodality will ultimately accomplish. I've been really touched by the amount of honesty that I've seen. Sensitive things are coming up. Difficult conversations about difficult topics are coming up, said Julie McStravag, a consultant helping to coordinate the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops' synodal work. McStravig told NCR that since fall 2021, more than 650,000 Catholics in the United States participated in synodal listening sessions, either online or in person, or responded to written surveys. In all, she said Catholics had more than 30,000 opportunities to participate in the synod. I'm delighted to see that every single report I've read expresses an appreciation for and a desire to continue the synodal listening, to enter into a sacred space and engage in deep listening and discernment with one another on a regular basis, McStravig said. End quote. Yeah. Laity are tired of the polarization of the church and then immediately call for changes to the deposit of the faith that will cause more polarization. Truly, the heresy in the church goes well beyond the German synod as well as just the inconsistent thinking. It's found its way into the hearts of the laity the world over. But we kind of knew that already anyway, didn't we? All the research data shows us that the laity disagree with the moral teachings of the faith and align themselves with the secular world and all the hot-button issues overwhelmingly. It reminds me of what our blessed Lord said in the Gospels when he asked rhetorically if he'll f even find faith when he returns. The answer is, you probably know he will not for the most part, and it's why we often talk about the traditional Catholic movement as being a remnant of Catholicism, regardless if it's in the Eastern or right, Western rites of the Church. In terms of morality, 
were already living in the catacombs. Remember that the youngest generations of Catholics are the ones most drawn to traditional Catholicism. Keep that in mind when you see this next part of the article, because it explains exactly how we got to this place where the laity are openly rejecting the faith. Quote, Still, the estimated 650,000 synod participants represent a little more than 1% of the roughly 51 million Catholic adults in the United States. The diocesan reports indicate that about two-thirds of those who attended listening sessions were 55 or older, and that most of those participants were women. An overwhelming majority of synodal participants were also white, 94% in the Diocese of Worcester, Massachusetts, for example, and were more likely to be married and attend Mass weekly. Massimo Fascioli, a theologian and church historian and modernist at Villanova University, who has written about the Synod, told NCR that he was not surprised that participation occurred mostly among older white Catholics who are already involved in the church. He said parish and diocesan outreach in many locations appeared to be geared toward the familiar demographic. For the synod, parishes had to be prepared for some kind of controlled chaos, for the unexpected or disruption. But I haven't seen much of this openness in the U.S. church to taking risks, as Shioli said. Yes, I'm mispronouncing his name on purpose. Several diocesan reports touched on the difficulty of engaging voices not often heard in church settings, especially younger generations of Catholics. In most dioceses, synod participants express concerns about the church not connecting with youth and young adults. The youth were recognized many times over as a focal point of concern. We need to take greater care for them, build up our catechetics, formation, service opportunities, and social programming for them the Diocese of Salt Lake City noted in its Synodal Report, end quote. And they give you a lot of examples in that article beyond that of these reports and how bad they are. They all point to one thing, though. And that's that the revolutionary generation is trying to impose its weird views on the faith if this data is to be believed. But I'm certain that young Catholics outside of traditional circles agree with them largely. If they're not demanding more changes, really, than what the older generations in the church are calling for, this is a problem across the board. And it begs a serious question. How did we get to this place? This problem predates Francis by decades. It's the natural consequences of the revolution in the church that started overtly with the council, but really was a problem beforehand and really picked up steam in the years after the council. One such change is that unfortunate anniversary I mentioned at the start. Paul VI, 50 years ago, suppressed the minor religious orders of ordination and the subdiaconate. Deacon Nick Donnelly, himself a permanent deacon, describes this as a tragedy on Twitter and expresses regret in some ways for accepting it personally in his own ordination to the fabricated permanent diaconate. I say fabricated because it did not exist prior to Vatican II. Yes, the diaconate did, but not the permanent diaconate. In an article over at New Liturgical Movement, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski describes this as an attempted abolition because, in a sign of hope, these minor orders actually never really went away. They survived in the SSPX and in some of the former Ecclesia Dei communities. From Dr. Kwasniewski's article at New Liturgical Movement, quote, Today is the 50th anniversary of the one of the most tragic of the ruptures introduced into the church by Paul VI, the abolition and distorted reconfiguration of the minor orders and subdiaconate by means of the apostolic letter Ministeria Quadum, released on August 15, 1972, and bearing no relationship whatsoever to anything that had been said in Sacrosanctum Concilium or we should say, the attempted abolition 
For the minor orders and subdiaconate, which belong to the heritage of the church for at least 1,700 years, their actual origin, like that of many other ancient things, remains hidden to our eyes, have never ceased to be used in the liturgy of the Latin Rite, even after Paul VI's document was released. Archbishop Lefebvre continued to confer them in the 1970s and beyond, and all communities that took their origin from him or allied with him did the same. The Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, the Institute of Christ the King's Sovereign Priest, and the Institute of the Good Shepherd have done and do so likewise. There have been occasional diocesan ordinaries who have conferred these minor orders on diocesan seminarians and clergy, especially under the beneficent influence of Samorum Pontificum. The liturgical ministries of the minor orders and the subdiaconate are not rooted simply in baptism, as some have speciously claimed, but rather in our extensions or distributions of the servanthood of the diaconate, as Bishop Athanasius Schneider demonstrates so well. In the absence of the traditional sacramental liturgical account, the ministries of lector and acolyte cease to have any rationale other than providing jobs for the unemployed, avenues of quote-unquote active participation that instantly divide the congregation into gold stars and silver stars and bronze stars and black dots, end quote. He's right, too much lay ministry does actually create a sort of caste system within the laity of the church. The orders of ordination were from top to bottom, priest including the bishop, deacon and subdeacon, and then there were four minor orders, acolyte, exorcist, lector, and porter. Yes, the exorcist was its own order, as was lector, reading the mass, though it was distinguished and separate from the major exorcisms performed by ordained priests and bishops and separate from a lot of the reading the priests and bishops themselves do. You know, maybe I should do a video on the old order of exorcists and lectors and the rest at some point. But it's sufficient to know for now that Paul VI, for his own reasons, suppressed all of them, save the priest and deacon, and invented the permanent diaconate for married men, which is the only area of growth in terms of vocations in the post-Vatican II church. But these other orders haven't gone away entirely either. They still exist in the Latin mass groups. But what does any of that have to do with anything I'm talking about in the first half of this video? Remember, we're talking about the spirit of revolution in the church. When the modernists are invoking the spirit, that vague notion of the spirit, that's probably what they're invoking, even if they mean the Holy Ghost. The laity in Germany, the US, Ireland, Australia, Italy, UK, anywhere you name, really, seem to all be calling for the same things. They want changes to the faith that rewrite the moral deposit of the faith into a marginally more conservative version of secular moral norms. It's a categorical rejection of morality of the faith, which in the morality and the moral teachings of the faith flow logically from the sacramental theology of the faith. The church in the 1960s opened the windows of the church to the world at the start of a socially revolutionary period in history. Talk about bad timing. And those revolutionary winds entered the church. And almost immediately, the first casualty of the faith were the orders of ordination, which was in itself an attack on the sacramental order of things. There is no separation between the moral teachings of the faith and the sacraments. An attack on the sacraments is an attack on the morality of the faith. One begets the other. It is simply inescapable. But I'm curious to know, what is your reaction to the news that the laity in America overwhelmingly want the church to change its teachings on who gets ordained and on that Jimmy Martin issue? Are you surprised that it's the older generations leading the way for this moral apostasy? Because that's what we're talking about here is a moral apostasy. Let me know in the comments what you think about that. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help as to sharing these messages on social media. As always, pray for the church. 
I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.